Welcome to episode 36 of Behind the Mission, a show that sparks conversation with PsychArmor trusted partners and educational experts. My name is Dwayne France, and each week I'll be having conversations with podcast guests that will equip you with tools and resources to effectively engage with and support military service members, veterans, and their families. You can find the show on all the podcast players or by going to psycharmor.org forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us on Behind the Mission. Our work and mission are supported by the generous partnerships and sponsors who also believe that education changes lives. This episode is brought to you by PsychArmor, the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military cultural content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners as well as custom training options for organizations. You can find more about PsychArmor at psycharmor.org. Today, we'll be talking with Nick Howland, Chief Executive Officer of The Firewatch, Northeast Florida's fight to end veteran suicide. Nick is a Navy veteran, defense industry executive, husband, and father of two boys. After serving four years as a naval officer, Nick spent the next 20 years leading U.S. defense manufacturing businesses focused on protective products for soldiers, airmen, and sailors, including body armor, life rafts, and tactical boats. In late 2019, Nick helped found the Firewatch. Having spent a career working to save the lives of soldiers and sailors, Nick now works to save the lives of veterans. You can find more about Nick by checking out his bio on our show notes. Let's get into my conversation with him and come back afterwards to talk about some of the key points. So Nick, you served as a naval officer and then transitioned into the corporate and defense sector, but it looks like you never really moved away from your military roots. I'm interested to hear about how you became involved in suicide prevention other than the obvious connection to other service members. Sure. Good observation, Dwayne. And, and you've uh, hit it on the head. Kind of a Navy family, dad, granddad, great granddad, all uh, Naval Academy. I broke the mold. I went ROTC, got in the service. I was a surface warfare officer on a destroyer. And little fact for you, you had on a guest named Mark Balmert, who's a retired rear admiral. He was my commanding officer on USS Chandler when I was in the Navy. I saw that in your previous podcast, listen to every word my skipper said, and he's a great guest. He's a great guy. So he's doing great things for veterans in San Diego. I went from that ship to a special boat unit, um, a Navy SEAL unit, where I was not a SEAL, but that was prior to 9-11. So they needed to borrow officers from the fleet to man some of their commands, not their SEAL teams, but their boat teams. We're the guys who do insertion and extraction. And then I got out of the service and I was in business school when 9-11 happened. So I've been thinking of a divergent career entirely from defense sector, maybe banking or something like that. And when 9-11 happened, I had a bit of a, a crisis of purpose. And Raytheon came to recruit on our campus. And I jumped at that opportunity and went to work for Raytheon after business school. And we were at the forefront of helping establish uh, technologies surrounding Homeland Security at the time. I left Raytheon for a company called Armor Holdings in Jacksonville. And I've been down here for over 15 years and have always been in the defense industry. And in fact, a particular niche in the defense industry, and that's protective products. So life rafts, life jackets, that kind of thing. I like to say that I've been saving lives for years. So now getting into veteran suicide prevention and taking on the, the Firewatch effort is nothing new. And instead of saving the lives of, of soldiers and airmen and sailors, I'm now doing what I can to help save the lives of veterans. And that's how we found ourselves today with the Firewatch. That's an interesting parallel because obviously maritime safety, I mean, you're preventing accidents, but also people put themselves in positions in which accidents are more likely to happen. How do you see saving lives, uh, sort of maritime safety parallel with saving lives from suicide? 
Yeah, great question. I've thought about this. And the military ensures that it has protective factors around its soldiers and sailors and airmen before putting them in harm's way. So, you know, the military is tedious about the standards around life rafts for maritime security and safety. It's tedious around the standards for body armor around our Army and Marine Corps troops in battle. And it's tedious around the standards for aircrew protection of our pilots and our airmen. So it's all about setting up the protective factors to make sure that when there's a crisis, there's a, a response to keep military personnel safe. And when you step out of the military and you become a veteran, you don't have those protective factors. In the military, it's all about, you know where you're going to work, you know where you're going to eat, you know where you're going to sleep, you know where you're going to live. The military helps you buy cars. It's interesting. They really take a heavy hand in your life. In the civilian world, it's a very light touch. And the VA is a great resource for those who use it, but it's almost receive only as opposed to the military, which is active, hanging all the time. And in the civilian world, as a veteran, you don't have those protective factors around you. And, and that has kind of influenced what we're trying to do at the Firewatch. We're trying to lay down a blanket of protection around our most at-risk veterans in Northeast Florida through our suicide prevention programming. You know, that's an interesting perspective. I've been having a lot of discussion over the last year or two about the difference between passive resource offering versus active resource delivery. And safety in the military was active resource delivery. I was in the, the motor pool, right? Here's your tire cage. Don't uh, change a tire or change a ring on a tire without using all of the safety equipment. You were, all of the resources were provided for you, like you said, even in Iraq and Afghanistan, you had everything from a mile around you to a mile above you taking care of you. And then we move from a very active resource delivery community into a very passive resource offering. Call us if you need us. Like you said, it's always in receive mode. And that's one thing that I've always felt is we need to get away from that, especially related to suicide. 100%. And, and that really is the thinking behind the Firewatch, which is Northeast Florida's fight to end veteran suicide. You know, we have about 1.5 million people here in Northeast Florida and about 150,000 veterans. And what our programming is trying to do is trying to end veteran suicide through prevention. We have seen since 2005, over 6,000 veterans take their lives each year nationally. That number continues to grow. That number is actually made worse when you compare it to the civilian suicide rate. A veteran is likely to die at a rate of one and a half times that of a veteran by suicide at any given point. In the state of Florida, we lose over 550 a year. And in Northeast Florida, we lose a little bit more than one a week. But as we know, even one is too many. So the solution to date, really, there's been solutions tried all over the country, but the nation, the federal government has tried to put more money into mental health at the VA level. You can almost see that budget grow by a billion every year, each year. And for those who are using those services, it's wonderful. But the suicide rate continues to rise. What we're trying to do is end it at the community level by prevention. And our marquee program is something called the Watch Standard Program. What we're trying to do, this new and innovative program, is we're trying to engage the community to learn the warning signs of veterans in crisis, to learn how to ask them if they need help, and to get them the help they need. We're not making mental health clinicians out of people who go through that training. We're just trying to make them aware of the issues around veteran suicide, the warning signs that people exhibit, and how to direct them to help and what resources are out there. And we leverage PsychArmor portal doing so. PsychArmor built us a customized portal using the VA SAVE training and a handful of other trainings to deliver the watch standard training. We have over 1,100 people who've taken the training in Northeast Florida, and we're doing what we said. We're laying down that protective net to make sure that when our veterans slip into crisis, or even before they slip into crisis, it's recognized and they get the help they need. 
what is really interesting to me from the outside looking in, I, I don't know if it's possible for one state to be jealous of another state. And if it was, Florida should be jealous of Colorado. But you guys are doing some really good stuff, and but it's really community-based. And like you said, it's really focusing on a region. You're not trying to address suicide in Florida writ large or even a, a large portion. This is a, what is it, a five-county partnership in which suicide prevention in Jacksonville is going to be different than suicide prevention in Pensacola or Miami, just because of differences in the community. Yeah, that's right. And we do, the the training is universal, but what we ask a watchstander to do is to direct a veteran to the help they need. If the veteran, it's simple, it almost follows, it does follow directly the training from SAVE, the VA SAVE video, where that SAVE is an acronym for S, recognize the signs, A, ask the question, V, validate the experience, and E, expedite getting the veteran help. We say if the veteran's in crisis, you call 911 or the veteran crisis line. If the veteran just needs help, you go explore our resources guide or call 211. And that is where we've done something actually pretty unique. We have built our own guide to resources and not just what you would expect from a crisis center, shelter, food, and and uh, water, whatever. We offer everything that could address a warning sign of a veteran in crisis. Are they having financial difficulty? We have financial resources for free or no cost for low cost for veterans. Are they having difficulty transitioning out of active duty? Well, we have resources on our guide for job transition, mental health, legal assistance, physical health. It's all there. We have compiled our Firewatch team with help of a lot of nonprofits within Northeast Florida, a list of 400 plus no-cost, low-cost resources for veterans, and it's easy to navigate. We built it off of michiganveteran.com. We liked what they did on their statewide veteran resources guide, and we adopted it here in Northeast Florida. And what's also interesting is we linked up with our local 211, which is managed by United Way of Northeast Florida, and they cover the same five counties. And they are using the same resources guide for any veteran who calls in or in need of help. And uh, so in that way, we're totally synced up. So we tell our watchstanders, your neighbor is a veteran and having difficulty in job transition, will go to our guide or just have them call 211 or call 211 for them and do a warm handoff. So what we're trying to do is make it really easy for your community folks, anyone in the community, your neighbor, your fellow churchgoer, your colleague, someone at your American Legion Club, what have you, to be able to recognize the signs and to be able to easily direct a veteran to the help they need. So it's a universal training, but that direction to resources is somewhat focused in our five-county region. There's no reason, though, that model cannot be replicated elsewhere, and we're looking at doing so in the Tampa Bay area and the Pensacola area later this year. And again, I think that's really the key is that the framework is the same. When I The same ranks that I saluted at Fort Bragg are the same ranks that I saluted at Fort Carson, but arguably the culture of both of those bases are very different. If you go yep. from West Coast Marine to East Coast Marine, totally different cultures. And I, I think that, yes, this idea of building a framework that can work in one location, but then what you hang on that framework is that community's unique needs and resources. Absolutely, 100%. You know, and there's another thing, Dwayne, that we're doing, which actually strengthens the framework, and that that could be taken elsewhere, at least in the state of Florida, is we have, I mentioned that we launched our Watch Hander program, which is aimed at driving community participation in veteran suicide prevention. We also have a role at the Fire Watch, since we're the five-county region in Northeast Florida, really coordinated effort to end veteran suicide. We have a community convening role. 
And, and what we do in that respect is we represent Northeast Florida on the Governor's Challenge Team. We also have brought SAMHSA down, Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, to look across our crisis care for veterans from when they are identified as being in crisis to how they're treated to how they're followed up. And we're looking where we have weaknesses to help you know, close them as a community convener. But we've also done something really unique. We hired a data analytics firm to work with the Florida Department of Health and pull their metadata on veteran suicide. So we know now veteran suicides at the county level and even within the county level, the census track level for the last 10 years up until 2019. So we're not only a year ahead of the VA's data, but we're even deeper because the VA is two years in arrears and doesn't go below the state level. We can see with a year look back at the census track level where we're having veteran suicides. And what's unique about that is we've put it on a dashboard so we can heat map where we see them. We can recognize trends if there's a prevalence of veteran suicides in our more rural areas of our five counties. And we can adapt our watchstander program and other programs similar to it in order to increase protective factors in those areas. So it's pretty unique that we can work with the data and have an immediate community level response. No, I think that's a, a very critical piece. And again, as you and I have met in working in suicide prevention, we need to take a public health approach. And the public health approach first is defining the problem and yep. getting numbers at, at the state level or even at the national level doesn't really help. You, it, we need to know down to the community and county level. But even as you were referring, things like in rural communities, then I would imagine you would say, who knows the rural communities better than the mail carriers, for example? Sure. Let's connect with mail carriers and get them to be watchstanders so that they understand the people. And that's the kind of thing that data can help you drive. I'm writing that down right now, Dwayne. I'm going to, I will not claim it as my own. That is getting a Dwayne France credit for that one. That's a great idea. We've also launched a parallel program that we call the Veteran Safe Place Program. And that's our watchstander program for organizations, for churches, for businesses, for retail outlets, hotels, gyms, restaurants, bars, asking them to do is if they, they train 50 of their employees or 50% of their employees, whichever is smaller, as watchstanders going through our Firewatch watchstander psych armor portal, taking the half an hour to 45 minutes of training, taking the pledge that they're going to be vigilant to, to veterans and becoming a watchstander. If they get 50 employees or less than, or 50%, whichever is less, they become a veteran safe place. And what that means is they become a place where veterans know if they are in search of resources, they can get help. And they will get a, a window sticker for their door. They can put our Firewatch Veteran Safe Place e-badge on their website. We will do a, a five-minute digital interview of them through a studio that we have partnered with and put that out on, on digital media. And we'll put them on our website as a Veteran Safe Place. So I'm training one this afternoon, in fact. We can do it either directing all their employees to our Firewatch Psych Armor portal or me doing it in person and training them. And it's really picking up. The PGA Tour is becoming a veteran safe place. Some logistics companies in town, some bars and some restaurants, we're targeting hotels. And why that is an important tool to go along with the Watchstander program is that in those rural areas, or maybe even if not a rural area, we know that we have a, a hot spot along the beaches here in, in Northeast Florida. There's a particular segment that for nine years has had a consistently high veteran suicide rate. We can target hotels, restaurants, and mail carriers, as you said, in those areas. The hotels and the restaurants have become veteran safe places, the mail carriers, the church members to all become watchstanders, and thereby increasing the likelihood of someone being there for a veteran who's exhibiting 
early warning signs of veterans in crisis. Think of it like trying to position people who know the Heimlich at restaurants. That's what we're trying to do. And this is, again, something that I see uniquely that you're trying to do with Firewatches because sometimes organizations will either do one or the other, but you are doing community outreach, right? So direct to veteran to veteran or individual to individual, but also yep. community coordination, supporting organizations that support veterans. So providing resources uh, and so really being that second stage, again, a boat crew support to a SEAL team as opposed to actually being, but Firewatch is doing both of them. You got it. And what it's what's fascinating about it is we're not waiting around. We're moving forward. And maybe we'll make a mistake along the way. But rather than sit there and plan for six months and then implement, that's not our gig at the Firewatch. We're going to look and we're going to say, is this going to make an impact? Yes, let's move forward all ahead full. And if we make a mistake, we'll shift. But we're, we're, we're in a war here. We call it the Firewatch, Northeast Florida's fight to end veteran suicide. There's no waiting. We just saw that report from the federal government saying we lost more folks to suicide since 9-11 than we have to actual Iraq and Afghanistan conflicts. This is something that has to get solved now. We, we're not going to make mistakes by hurting people. We're just going to make mistakes by not being as effective as we can be. So we're launching our programs in rapid fire succession in hopes that we can find the solution to ending veteran suicide. And we think we are getting there. We think we're on our way and we have a baseline now of veteran suicide data for 2019. And we will know by the time that 2011 data comes out in mid-2022, if we're starting to have an effect. It's pretty interesting. We brag a little bit about 1,100 watchstanders who've taken the training, but we're not stopping there. Our goal is 10,000. We want 10,000 members of the community able to recognize the warning signs in order to protect our 150,000 veterans. See, and this is, again, something that it really that's more of a startup mindset. What's a minimum viable product? Let's get it out there and then we'll iterate and change and things like that. Yeah. If communities like yourself and, and like others are connected to the experts, again, at the Department of Defense, Department of Veterans Affairs, you can take their expertise, but that you can get programs out. Let's see if they work. If they don't work, we shift quickly. Absolutely. And we've recently managed to convince the five counties to give us a little bit of money for what we call a micro grant fund. And by micro grants, we're talking five to $15,000 grants. We can maybe do five of them per year. We'll try to spread them around the counties because we're using county money. But our focus mainly for giving those grants will be to close resource gaps that we identify during our SAMHSA crisis intercept mapping exercise. So if we've identified a weakness in safety planning or in follow-up, we can implement a training program for all of our healthcare facilities or something like that, a way to close a gap or weaknesses that we've identified with our census tract and county veteran suicide data mapping that perhaps we have a, a, a glaring hotspot in this part of our five-county region. How do we develop programming and focus programming to close those? So our micro-grant programming allows us to be nimble. The, the Firewatch is formed by public-private partnerships. So the five counties have helped establish the Firewatch in its region and a leading veteran suicide prevention program that pairs service dogs with veterans called Canines for Warriors is helping sponsor a large part of it. So that does allow us to be nimble. And um, we only started, we were formed officially in November 19, and we launched our resources guide in April 20 and our watchstander program in May 20. So we're just a year old in our watchstander program with 1,100 folks, and we're already starting to adapt and adjust. Pretty neat journey, and I think it's going to have pretty marked results. Yeah, as, as you'd mentioned, uh, you and I have connected before and have really uh, appreciated a lot of the things that have been happening, especially in Florida, one of the top three states in the nation for veterans, residents, and along with 
was it 20 military installations in the state plus yep. all of the spouses and, and things like that is Florida is one of the ground zero for the military service member veteran and military family population. And along with that comes the really high numbers, unfortunately, of things like suicide. So it, it, it's really always encouraging to hear people trying to take the bull by the horns. If people wanted to find out more, either if they're in Florida, in the five county region, they want to do more. If they want to, if somebody from outside Florida wants to reach out and find out more about what you're doing, trying to do something like that in their community, how can they do that? They can find us at thefirewatch.org, not firewatch.org, but thefirewatch.org. That is the best way. We have a pretty robust website, which explains what we do. You can access our watchstander program and the training directly from our website. We also have an app available on iOS and Android, which has the same functionality, both accessing training as well as accessing our resources guide. And although we are formed by the five counties of Baker County, Clay, Duval, Nassau, and St. John's County, the the five tucked up northeast part of the state of of Florida, um, encompassing Jacksonville, Amelia Island, St. Augustine, Orange Park, Green Coast Springs, et cetera. Although we are there, our training is applicable to everybody. It's just the fact that before we can launch to other places, we need to have a resource guide that makes it as easy as it is in Northeast Florida to direct veterans to the help they need in those other regions that we expand. So anyone can go through the training. If you take it, it's free. It's online. It takes 30 to 45 minutes. That's because if you're a veteran, you go through the save training and two or three other short videos. If you're a civilian coming through the track and you self-identify as such, you go through those same videos plus the Psych Armor Cornerstone Military Culture uh, course, 15 things every veteran wants you to know. So that adds about 15 minutes to your training. But afterwards, you take a pledge. Um, and if you give us your work or home address, we'll send you out a, a rubber wristband that only watchstanders have. We'll send you out a Firewatch car sticker and also a, a cool wallet card, which really reminds you of what to do if you encounter a veteran in crisis. Again, if they're in crisis, you take them and do a warm handoff to 911 or Veteran Crisis Line. If they just need help, you check out our resources guide online or call 211. And and it's about as easy as that. The wallet card reminds you what to do and uh, you can join us in our fight to end veteran suicide. You know, I think it's outstanding, Nick. I, I really appreciate everything that you're doing and thanks for coming on the show today. Dwayne, appreciate you having me. Thank you. Once again, we would like to thank this week's sponsor, Psych Armor. PsychArmor is the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners as well as custom training options for organizations. It was great to connect with Nick and to be able to share the work that's being done to address suicide in Northeast Florida. Suicide prevention and behavioral health integration programs are a particular passion of mine, and I really appreciate the work that his organization is doing to address the issue. There's a need for us, a military and veteran support community, to move beyond awareness of the issue and towards action. There's a lot of well-meaning efforts out there to raise awareness about suicide, but awareness campaigns are simply not enough to make a difference. Another significant aspect of the problem is that what is commonly thought of as suicide prevention is actually intervention. What are the five signs that I should look for that someone is thinking of taking their own life in the next 48 hours, and what do I need to do to stop that from happening? While that is preventing someone from taking their own life, that's not suicide prevention. It's intervening when someone is in a crisis or approaching a crisis. It's suicide intervention, not suicide prevention. It's like waiting to put our seatbelt on only when driving conditions are dangerous or just before we get into an accident. 
Now, a significant part of suicide prevention is putting measures into place so that someone doesn't experience a suicidal crisis in the first place. Nick is talking about the need to establish protective factors in the lives of veterans. Not protective factors against suicide, but protective factors that keep someone from experiencing the conditions that can lead to suicide. Things like increasing connectedness, both among other veterans and between veterans' families and loved ones. Increasing economic stability, ensuring housing and employment are in place, and reducing things that can cause distress. All of these things are protective factors against someone experiencing a crisis, which could lead to suicide. This is considered primary prevention, getting at the root of the problem rather than just trying to catch people in the middle of a crisis. The other takeaway from my conversation with Nick is that it's possible to learn what other communities are doing and use that as a template for establishing similar programs in your community. As you heard in the interview, the Firewatch patterned their Northeast Florida Military and Veteran Resource Guide off of MichiganVeterans.com, which is the state veterans affairs website for the state of Michigan. There are great things happening all across the country, and there are different things happening across the country. There is no one-size-fits-all solution for the problem of service member, veteran, and military family suicide. Each community is unique in their veteran composition, the resources available, even the level of awareness around the problem. What will work in Jacksonville, Florida may not work in Birmingham, Alabama, or Pocatello, Idaho for a wide range of reasons, but the same kinds of things may work in those areas. Improving the protective factors that Nick was talking about, employment, connectedness, homelessness prevention, suicide awareness and prevention training, the Firewatch is going to address these things in beachside organizations based on data related to suicide numbers, and that may be something that can be applied to communities like Ocean City, Maryland, or coastal towns in Maine, but not really applicable in fact to central mountain regions of Colorado or the Texas Panhandle. Just like communities learn from other communities on how to handle things like civic infrastructure or how to address crime or poverty, organizations can look to places like Jacksonville and the Firewatch to implement similar but different programs in their communities. So even if you're not in Northeast Florida, I recommend checking out the Firewatch program and seeing how you can take what they're doing and replicate it in your community. For this week's Psych Armor Resource of the Week, I'd like to highlight the program that's partnered with the Firewatch to provide training for their Watchstander program, the Veteran Ready Organization Certificate Program. Nearly 200 organizations nationwide utilize Psych Armor's educational platform to ensure staff and volunteers are better prepared to interact with the military and veteran communities. Psych Armor Certificate Programs help improve efficiency, reduce costs, and increase revenue for their partners. Their cost-effective certification program allows organizations to share PsychArmor courses, track completions, and become veteran-ready with a digital certificate and badge that they can proudly showcase on their website. To be part of the national effort to assist in our military-connected community and to see the growing registry of veteran-ready organizations, contact PsychArmor's Learning Engagement and Partnership Manager by going to psycharmor.org or checking out the link in the show notes. So thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode. Make sure to take a look at the show notes, which you can find at psycharmor.org forward slash BTM36, as well as on the PsychArmor website. You will find the link to everything we talked about in today's show, as well as hundreds of online training videos delivered by nationally recognized subject matter experts who are committed to educating the civilian community about military culture. All of these courses are free to individual learners. Thank you for joining me on this episode and for continuing to join us on this journey. You wouldn't be listening if you didn't care, and it's that curiosity and passion for supporting service members and their families that we want to encourage and increase. Come back each week for another conversation, and make sure to engage with PsychArmor on social media to let us know what you think about the show. 
I'd like to express special thanks to Operation Encore and Navy Seahawk pilot Jerry Maniscalco for our theme song, Don't Kill the Messenger. This show was produced by Headspace and Timing, and all rights to the show remain reserved by Psych Army. Feel free to share the show. In fact, we would like for you to do that, but make sure you let folks know where you heard it. Join us next time for another great episode, and until then, stay aware, get educated, and be well.